0: Um, Will you go with me to what has become a text that we have frequently gone to as a church most recently for online Bible study on Wednesday night, John chapter number four, John chapter number four, and I'm just going to get enough of the story in order to launch into what God has laid on my heart. John chapter four, I'm going to begin in verse number three. It says he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob was there, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came back, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, why do you seek or what do you seek or why are you talking to her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. Verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two days and many more believed because of his own word. Today, I come to you as our nation is in crisis over the outcries for justice regarding the murder of George Floyd. And admittedly, I come to you without all of the answers. I wish I had them all. I wish we had them all. We don't. Admittedly, I also come to you as a son of privilege. Admittedly, admittedly, I cannot relate to the outrage, the pain, the hurt that many of our black and brown brothers and sisters across the United States are feeling. But I also come to you with a heavy and an empathetic heart. I come to you as a, a faith leader with a platform of influence, and I come to you as one who hopefully will share some words of hope with you during this dark time, because they're not my words. They are the words of eternal life. I'm reminded of the time when Jesus asked his disciples, will you leave me also? And Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, where "Where else? They said, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus looked at his disciples. Will you leave me? And they said, where else will we go? Only you have the words Of eternal life. My prayer is that God's word would minister to your heart. God's word would give you answers. God's word would give you peace. God's word would create the kind of order and change that we are all crying for right now. And so I've entitled this message, God heal our land. And my prayer is as we've been doing throughout this whole COVID experience is that we would find Christ in the middle of crisis. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Would you minister by your power, by your grace, by your anointing? Would you speak to our hearts, our hearts that need healing, our hearts that are looking for answers, our hearts that are longing for justice and equality? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. As we come to the text, we find Jesus making a shocking announcement. To his Jewish disciples as they endeavor to go from Judea to Galilee. The announcement is, I must go through Samaria. You would ask, why is that such a shocking announcement? After all, Samaria was the quickest way to go from Judea to Galilee. Why wouldn't he go through Samaria? Why would he choose any other route? Why wasn't it the assumed route? Why did not he have to make the, the announcement, we are going through Samaria? Why didn't the disciples say, well, of course we're going through Samaria. That's the way that you get to Galilee from Judea. You go through Samaria. The simple answer is it was a shocking announcement because in that time the Jews... And the Samaritans hated one another. So much so that Jews would go all the way around Samaria. Waste all sorts of times not to step foot on Samaritan soil. The hate was so deep that rabbis actually taught that if you got the dust of Samaria on your shoes, you would have to go through a purification ceremony in order to be cleansed. Where did the hate come from? 750 years earlier prior to this event a Syrian king by the name of Sargon exiled the Jews and he brought in a new people who intermarried with the Jews and a mixed race of people known as the Samaritans was born and because of this the Jews hated the Samaritans they considered them to be half breeds the Samaritans disregarded all of the books of the Old Testament with the exception of the first five all of the books of the law with the exception of the first five they built their own Temple, they let idol worship creep in. The Jews saw them as hijackers of their faith and of their race because, listen to me, of the way they were born. It was biblical racism at It's best. And this is the backdrop to the story that we refer to as the story of the woman at the well. But if I could push the envelope just a little bit, Jesus might refer to this story as Samaritan's Lives Matter. And so here we have in this story a litany of lessons on how to heal our land. Because Jesus was dealing with this issue on another level, on a different level, back in his time. And the first thing that we need to understand if God is going to heed the cry of heal our land is, number one, race and justice have always been on the agenda of Jesus. Not some of the time. Not partially timed, but have always been on the agenda of Jesus. That's why he announced, notice the phraseology, I need... I must go through Samaria. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, listen, you can all pretend like there isn't some kind of hate between us and the Samaritans. You could sweep it underneath the rug. You could stick your head in the sand. But I've got to go and deal with this issue. And, you know, you can say as somebody who comes to church, why are we talking about this in church? Because Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. I can't let this kind of stuff go untalked about. I can't let it go unchecked. I've got to deal with it. And here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't just deal with this from time to time. There's not just one story in the Bible about a Samaritan and how Jesus dealt with him. Matter of fact, the most popular of all Jesus' parables, the one that has been called the greatest story ever told by Charles Dickens and many in history, the story that we all refer to as the good Samaritan is also a story where Jesus dealt with this history of hate between the jewish people and the samaritan people and in his story he makes the hated person the hero and so Jesus wasn't really concerned with addressing the issue because it was politically correct. Jesus was never about being politically correct. Jesus wasn't going to hit the issue whether, when it was hot and then stay quiet uh, about the issue after it passed. What Jesus was doing was saying, this is not a time to be politically correct. This is a time for us to be biblically correct. Not only does Jesus talk about race, and justice in these two places. But all throughout the scripture, there are volumes of text on justice and how God stands on the side of justice and how God wants us to be people of justice. Micah chapter six, verse number eight, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord, notice the language, require of you, not suggest of you, not, not put it on the back burner, but require of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. The scripture also tells us, I love this verse, this is so applicable right now, Proverbs chapter 31 verse number 8, listen to it. It says, stay quiet for those who cannot speak for themselves. Or does it say, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. According to these and many other biblical texts, we have a responsibility as the justified to do justice, to make sure that everyone is treated fairly regardless of the color of their skin or the privilege they have or don't have. We have a responsibility to speak up because according to God's word, to not speak up when we see wrong, whatever the wrong is, whatever side of the aisle the wrong falls on. And I'm going to say some things today that people won't expect me to say, but they are not because I'm looking to be politically correct i want to lead you in being biblically correct race and justice have always been on the agenda of jesus and what i think is particularly interesting about this text is where jesus goes to deal with this issue of race and justice he goes to samaria but to a specific place to jacob's well jacob the wrestler jacob the one that wrestled with God to get back to the place from which he had fallen from. He had fallen from his birthright. He had fallen from relationship with his family. And he came back and he said, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wrestle with you to get back to the place that I've fallen from. so significant because when dealing with race and justice, we must realize it is going to be a wrestling match. It is going to be a struggle. We will wrestle about how to fix it and what to fix first and what it's gonna to take to make it right. And I don't have all the answers, but here's the thing about me. I'm willing to wrestle. I'm willing to wrestle through the hard conversations. I'm willing to have the uncomfortable moments. I'm willing to have the talks that we need to have. I'm willing to talk about it as a white man even though I don't understand it from the same perspective. I'm willing to look at answers that or questions that may lead to answers that many people really don't like i'm willing to wrestle reconciliation and you know this in any arena of life comes through wrestling you don't reconcile any other way because reconcile here's how reconciliation usually goes you have a disagreement let's call it on a personal level with somebody and you're mad and they don't even realize they did anything wrong and then you go to them And you want to reconcile and you bring their offense to them and they act like they don't know what you're talking about. And at first you get really frustrated by the fact that they don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, well, how are we going to reconcile if you can't even recognize the wrong that you committed? And you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that wrestling match eventually produces a perspective that is needed to create reconciliation. And so what we need to see from the scripture, if we're going to heal our land is that Race and justice have always been and always will be on the agenda of Jesus. But number two, if we are going to have, if God is going to heal our land, if he's going to hear the cry, heal our land, we cannot ignore history and achieve harmony. We cannot ignore history and achieve harmony. Let me bring it back to a relationship that you might be in, a familiar relationship, a marriage relationship. Let's say you're in a bad marriage relationship for 20 years right and and 20 years after all of the same horrific stuff all over again over and over and over and over and again finally the light goes on in your spouse and they come to you and they say they say i'm sorry right and you think okay this is the beginning but then 3 months after good behavior all of a sudden they start doing the same thing they did before when all of a sudden that action That you thought was gone comes back again. What does it bring up? It brings up the history of everything that has happened for 20 years. And so what am I telling you? We cannot ignore history and achieve harmony. Jesus understood the 750-year history of hate between the Jews and the Samaritans. And, and, And people are asking, well, why is this one event causing this outcry? Because it is a trigger that brings people back to the not-so-illustrious history of our country. A history, and I know people don't want to hear it. They're like, oh, here we go again. But listen, a history of slavery that lasted legally but predated it for 188 years in our nation. A history where black people were three-fifths of a white person. A history of being black people being stripped from their families, raped by plantation owners, branded with irons, whipped and beaten many daily, mutilated, amputation, genitalia torture, castration. A history that has peddled an inferiority complex upon the black and brown community where even science said they were the lowest on the evolutionary chain. A history where white evangelical churches used and misused scripture To keep black people and brown people bound. Where they said that the reason why slavery existed is because it was the curse of God upon black man. Because when Ham went in and saw the nakedness of his father, God cursed Ham. What they don't tell you is that God cursed one of Ham's four sons, all of which were black, conveniently left out. Where the white evangelical church in early American history and really up into the 70s, there were still the remnants of it, would allow finally black people to come in and worship with them. But when they got baptized would say, even though you are a new creation, it still hasn't changed your position in society. A history that has stripped the education system or the proper teachings of our history in the education system. For instance, we all know who Paul Revere is, but not many people know who Wentworth Cheswell is. Revere was white. Cheswell was black. One went west. The other was north. One was stripped out of the history books. The other was put in the history books. We cannot ignore our history if we are going to have harmony in our lives. And that, even up until the 70s, because people think, well, it was ages ago. Do you know in the 70s, in biblical institutions across our land, black people were not allowed to come in and study? We're talking the 70s. It's not ages ago. It's not many moons ago. People are still living today who experienced those things back in the 70s. And so the history is wanting to be moved on from. But then you have incidences like George Floyd. And it brings up all of the pain of the history. And it people, causes people to ask the question, Do have we really changed like we ought to. I know some of you really who are watching, you're like, oh, we, do we have to listen? But listen, those that don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And so we have to ask the question, is the reason why it was left out of history? So that we would repeat it. Because if we bring it into the light and we all can see the wrong, it checks our evil human hearts outside of Christ, it checks the behavior so that the mistakes are not continued. Moreover, when we don't acknowledge the systematic problems that have been created and still exist today as a result of our history, we cannot have harmony. Pastor, um, that was years ago. It's a new age. Why does it matter now? I saw a video. My son showed it to me. It impacted me very much. It was a, it was a summer youth, youth camp. And in the camp were were older teenagers and young adults. And they were racially diverse, white, black, brown, all racially diverse, male, female. And the counselor stood at the other end, at the finish line of a 100-yard dash. And at the beginning of that line, at the starting place, he had all the kids lined up. And he held a $100 bill at the finish line. And he said, whoever gets here first gets the $100 bill. But before I say go. I want to ask you some questions and if you can answer yes to any of these questions, I want you to take two steps forward. First question, if you grew up in a home with a mother and a father, take two steps forward. If you had a present and positive male role model growing up, take two steps forward. If you had access to a private education, take two steps forward. If you never had to worry about where you were going to get your next meal from, take two steps forward. If you never had to help your mom and dad with the bills, take two steps forward. If you had access to a free tutor, take two steps forward. If you never never worried about your phone, your cell phone, or your lights going off in your home, take two steps forward. If it wasn't because of your athletic ability, you wouldn't know or be able to go to college, take two steps forward. He asked these questions, and then those that were about halfway down, he said, stop before we say go. Because everybody's still got to run this race. Even those of you that are back on the starting place, you still got to run this race. you got no choice. He said, but I want everybody who's about halfway down the field to turn around and look around. And everybody turned around and looked around. And overwhelmingly, the people who were halfway down were white. There were some who were not white. And overwhelmingly the people who are the starting place were overwhelmingly black and brown. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is why? Now, I know a lot of us would believe or have been taught to believe that that's because black people are inferior and brown people to white. But that's, that's the reason why that mess is on them. They're not as smart as we are. They have a gene that makes it prone for them to get divorced. That is what has been peddled. But can we fairly answer that question in light of the evidence that suggests unequivocally that some people have a significant head start to get to the place that we all want to go to? What is the reason? And the reason is because there is a system that has been built. That has made it more difficult for black and brown people to get to the same place as people with the color of my skin. That is a fact. Do I love America? Yes. Do I think America is the greatest nation on the earth? Yes. Do I want to live anywhere else? No. Has America had problems? Does, is America's history, you know, uh, perfect? No. Has America built a system and was it established early on that has made it more difficult for certain people to succeed than others? Absolutely. And in order for God to hear our cry and heal our land, we must adhere to the creed. We cannot ignore our history and achieve harmony because if we never acknowledge wrong how can there ever be healing for example how do you get saved can you get saved like this i'm a good person oh that stuff to god that you're bringing up right now that was years ago but i'm a pretty good person now can you get saved like that or do you have to say lord i'm a sinner and i need a savior Acknowledgement in order to move forward is part of the tenets and core of our faith. Can I speak to privilege for a moment? The justice that is being demanded is not for privilege to be stripped from those that have it. And you're going to hear this quote in a minute. We should not be embarrassed by the opportunities that have been afforded us as human beings in any way. There are some black people and brown people that have been afforded some wonderful opportunities, but not enough and not nearly as much as white people. So let me speak to, to privilege. The justice that is being demanded is not for privilege to be stripped from those that have it, but rather to be afforded to everyone equally. Because if we all have the same opportunities, then where we wind up naturally speaking is largely dependent upon our choices. But if we all do not have the same opportunities, then where we end up is not largely dependent upon our choices. We can still make it to where we need to go. And Pastor Brandon and I were talking about this just the other day. People in the black and brown community need to know that they have the ability, although it's harder, to get to where they want to go. With God's help on their side, they can hurdle and get to where they want to go. But we cannot ignore the fact that it is more difficult. Miles McPherson. In his book, The Third Option, wrote this. Privilege in its traditional sense, is defined as a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available to only a, pers- a particular person or group of people. Privilege is a sensitive topic in today's culture because it is often associated with resentment that some people feel toward those who have more of it than they do. Those accused of being privileged, meanwhile, are generally unaware of how deep their privilege runs and therefore defend themselves against accusations of benefiting from something they don't even realize they have. Once understanding privilege, here's what he says, don't apologize for having it because it's an advantage that is out of your control. Instead, know that you can leverage your experience and advantages for the benefit of others. I call this the privilege of God. When we replace our heart with God's, we'll naturally look for ways to extend our privileges and advantages to others without thinking twice about our own well Exactly what the Lord would have us to do. Even God tells us overnight, you are blessed, why? To be a blessing. God always teaches us, don't be a reservoir, don't be a container, but but be a river, let it pass through. Those that have, in any society, in any culture, in any system, always have a responsibility to pass it on. That is a Christian value. The third thing we see in our story is leaders, number three leaders have the responsibility listen to me carefully, this is a Christian principle to initiate healing by helping everyone around to understand this is a responsibility of leaders say what are you talking about Jesus made the announcement it was his idea, the the disciples didn't go hey let's go to Samaria today because we got to deal with this they're, they're all going about their way. Jesus' fame and popularity is just off the charts. I mean, he's gathering big crowds, and Jesus goes, you know what? I, I got an idea. We're going on a road trip. Can you imagine Jesus going on a road trip? They're like, where are we going? He's like, other side of the tracks. Whatever other side of the tracks looks like for you. And they're like, well, what do you mean, Jesus? We're going through Samaria today. And here's what I think is amazing. What's amazing to me is that the disciples had something in their heart that wasn't right. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. And the reason why I say that to you is because if they didn't have something in their heart that wasn't right, then when they came back and saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, the scripture wouldn't have said they were surprised but didn't want to say so. And instead, what did they say? Master, go ahead and eat. They hid their feelings. And what did Jesus do? Jesus sent them, took them on a road trip. But then you know what he did? He sent them to the store as Jewish people in a Samaritan land where people hated them as much as they hated the people. Why did he send them to the store? I often wondered about this. Some people think, well, he must have been hungry. He he must have sent them to the store because he wanted to make sure they had something to eat. But yet when they came back and they said, Master, eat, what was his response? His response was, that's not my food. My food is to do the will of my Father. I didn't send you to the store so you could get something to eat. I sent you to the store so you could walk in the shoes of understanding what it's like to go into a bodega or a grocery store and have somebody look at you some kind of way because of the color of your skin. I sent you to the store so you would know what it feels like to have somebody call the cops on you because they think you're there to steal something. I sent you to the store so that you could know what it's like to help you to understand. Listen, here's here's the powerful thing about it. These were the disciples of Jesus that had this in their heart. Selah. These were Jesus' hand-picked disciples that had hate in their heart for the Samaritans. Here's what I want you to know. Just because we are not all on the same page doesn't mean you're not a disciple and I'm not a disciple. Just because you side here on this issue and there on that issue doesn't mean that you're not a disciple and I'm a disciple. Just because we need space to grow doesn't mean that we haven't made Jesus our Lord, but we turn to Jesus our Lord as our leader to help us grow to the place where we become more like him. Here's what we need in our country we need to give each other the space to grow in god's grace and not always be tearing each other down road trip why are we going not because i was hungry but because i've got to lead you i've got to help you to understand i've got to remove something from your inner man and put something in its place and here's my message i'm calling on all leaders Help them understand. I'm calling on white preachers and black preachers. Help them understand. Chiefs of police, lieutenants, sergeants, help them understand. Politicians and presidents, help them understand. We need leaders who can carry us from the place of hate to the place of love. And that bridge is understanding. In all of your getting, the Bible says, get understanding as christians should we be more quick to try to understand or more quick to disagree if we had listening ears instead of a talking mouth oh come on i'm preaching real good right now if we had listening ears instead of a talking mouth we would have what we want to see and that is liberty and justice for all number four number four i'm gonna preach just a little longer today number four we cannot heal until we see change. T.D. Jakes in a recent interview said this. We're not looking for healing. We're looking for change. I thought, it's aggressive. Rubbed me the wrong way at first, and he's my favorite preacher in all the world. I thought, that's not cool. And then he explained himself, I listened. I didn't turn the channel because I wanted to get some understanding. And here's what he said. He said, the time for healing is not when you're on the operating table and cut open. He said, that's the time to reset the bone. That's the time to put in the pacemaker. That's the time to to unclog the artery. And then what's broken, then after what's broken has been fixed, then we could sew it up and there can be healing. What was he saying? He's saying in order for healing to take place, change must take place first. In order for true healing in your marriage to take place, change must take place. In order for true healing to happen in any adversarial relationship, there must be change. You can forgive somebody without change, but you cannot heal until there is change. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to Samaria as a Jew. Change. He asks the Samaritan woman, double change, because you're not supposed to talk to a woman as a Jew or a Samaritan. Double change for a drink. And not only did he ask her for a drink, he said, I'm willing to put my Jewish lips on your Samaritan cup. Change. Think about that. And you think that's kind of like funny? Do you know, go back in, in the history of the United States, white people would not drink from the same glasses as black people. They wouldn't drink from the same water fountains. Why? Because they were nasty, dirty, inferior, contaminant. Jesus said, no, no, I'll put my Jewish lips on your Samaritan cup. I will treat you with respect and dignity, change, even though I'm a Jew and we're supposed to fight with one another. That's not how I'm going to do you. I will meet you on common ground, Jacob's well, because even though they disagreed about so much, they both regarded Jacob. So I'll meet you on common ground. He initiated the change and the change opened the door for healing. Change must take place in order for healing to really happen. Speak up, change. Do you know what a lot of my friends in the black and brown community share with me? They said, Pastor, you know why we love you? And I don't mean to in any way draw attention to me. They said, because you're not afraid to talk about these issues. And you're not just talking about it now because you've been talking about it for years. Because speaking up, the church has been silent for too long. There's a reason why Sunday morning has been called the most segregated hour in American history. Because the church has settled instead of spoken spoken. Up, the speak up change. How about this one? The drink from the same cup change. In order for us to have healing, we gotta drink from the same educational cup. We've gotta drink from the same access to healthcare cup. We've got to drink from the same financial benefits cup. We've got to drink from the same uh, opportunities cup. We've got to drink from the ability to advance cup the same way. We all have got to drink from the same cup in order for there to be the change that is going to cause healing to take place. But if I get a full cup and you get a half cup, how can we heal? Now, I'm not talking about socialism. That's different. America doesn't need socialism. It'll tank us. It's tanked every other country. We need to give everybody the same opportunities and then let drive, then let God-given ability, then let good choices begin to determine where somebody ends up. But we've got to give everybody the same opportunities. If God is going to hear our cry, heal our land. Number five, we cannot hijack race, religion, and injustice. If God is going to heal our land, We cannot hijack race, religion, and injustice. Jesus went to Samaria. Change. He treated her with dignity and respect. Change. He was willing to drink from the same cup. Change. He was willing to meet her on common ground. Change. But when Jesus did all that, here was her response. How is it that you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan? And then she said this, your people worship over there, my people worship over there. And what, what was Jesus' response to that? Here's what he said. He said, go get your husband. <laughs> Jesus is savage. <laughs> Jesus don't play no games. He said, go get your husband. What, what, what was that? in the conversation where where did that come from here's what Jesus was saying I don't have time to really break it down but Jesus was saying no no you don't understand I'm here because race and injustice is a legitimate issue I'm here to fix a problem that is systemic that has to change because it's been here for 750 years but here's what he was telling her woman part of your problem is not all that part of your problem is you've made five bad choices What was he saying? He was saying, don't misuse race and injustice and religion. Don't hijack it. Because, friends, we cannot allow the issue to be prostituted by the media, the politicians, the church, the looters. Let's keep this issue where it belongs. George Floyd was innocently and unjustly murdered, and this must stop we cannot allow righteous peaceful protests to be hijacked by fires of destruction and property loss and looting to the very same communities that have been systematically set back by the thing that we are trying to change there are many cops who are joining the fight for justice and standing by and with those that have been marginalized and oppressed and speaking up they have families too they have kids too they have wives too not every cop is a bad cop there's a lot of good cops out there and we cannot let race and religion be misused to hijack the important message that everybody needs to hear and that there must be liberty and justice for all we can have both see we we live in a society that has taught us that you either have to call if you call this right you've got to call that wrong But you can call this right and that right. You can call that wrong and that wrong. Say, well pastor, how do we know what's wrong and what's right? Go to the Bible, not to Fox or CNN. Go to the Bible. That's your source. Too many people spend more time watching the news than they do in the presence of Almighty God and in the scriptures which would give us the light that we need so that the confusion can be cleared up. We cannot use all of this to misuse and marginalize the message that needs to be heard. Almost every black and brown person that I know does not support looting and and fires and destruction of property. That's media. That's politicians. That's deflection. That's all that. But the church needs to keep the focus where the focus needs to be kept. And that is this country must live up to its ideals, its highest ideals of liberty and justice for all. And we've fallen short of that thing. Number six. Healing requires heavenly help. Jesus told the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. What was he saying? You need heavenly help to be made whole. You need heavenly help to fix your soul. Hating someone. Mistreating someone, oppressing someone, marginalizing someone because of the color of their skin is a hard issue. It requires the soul to be fixed. Some people have said, well, you cannot legislate racism. Can I speak to it? Why do we need legislation as it relates to injustice? Because legislation tames the evil heart. Legislation checks the heart that is sinful, checks the heart of someone who doesn't have a God perspective and makes them think twice before they do something. We must have laws. We must have legislation that is fair for everybody. But that only tames the problem. What fixes the problem is a heart change. What fixes the problem is when we come to Jesus and we realize that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male nor female, but we are one in Christ. The world Really needs Jesus. Need heavenly help. And lastly, number seven. Usually I only give five points. I gave seven because this is important. Know that there is hope. Verse 28, the end of the story. The woman left her water pot she went away into the city she said to the man come see a man who told me all things that I ever did could this be the Christ they went out of the city and came to him many of the Samaritans in the city believed in him because of the word of the testimony that she gave and he told that she said he told me all I ever did so when the Samaritans came out to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two more days and many more believed because of his word when I read this I find out that Samaria segregated separated hate filled Samaria got saved revival happened in Samaria and this tells me two things, this tells me there is hope because you and I, each of us can make a difference one woman made a difference one woman who said, you know what, I've got to tell people about how to get over all this stuff and the way you get over all this stuff is you come to Jesus maybe, just maybe George Floyd's life can produce a change because one person can make a change see what we need to realize 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 8 says this all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, notice notice, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. If we want, it, who? If we want, do we want the narrative in the mouths of people don't, who don't know God? Or do we want to lead with instruction and in righteousness so that people can come to a place where we can have What we are crying out for. We can make a difference. But then I read this and I say, Samaria got saved if Samaria got saved there is still hope for America just like Samaria got saved America could get saved because I don't know about you but even though there are warts in our country even though there are systemic issues with our country I still love our country and I still want the best for our country and I still pray God bless America yes God change America yes God help America to lead up live up to its ideals of liberty and justice for all help us God to fix our cracked liber- but God can you save America and the answer to that is still yes why if God could save Samaria God could save America and it is going to take each one of us doing our part realizing that reconciliation has been given to us and when each one submits themselves under the mighty hand of God we can have the change that everybody is longing for there is hope for America. God, heal our land. Would you stand and let's pray. I know that was a good message. You know why? I have a sweat like that in eight weeks. Would you join me in prayer? We're going to pray for our land. God, we come to you, Heavenly Father. We repent of our wrongs. We repent of our history of injustice because we know you, are God, are always on the side of justice. You stand by the marginalized and the oppressed. Unlike all the other gods in Bible times, you sided with those who were overlooked. We repent. We ask for forgiveness from our black and brown brothers and sisters and ultimately from you. We ask that you would lead our leaders. That you would direct our leaders. That you would raise up the right leaders to institute and bring about the change that will help us live up to our highest ideals of liberty and justice for all. Father, we pray for our police. Father, we pray for them that they would help lead the change. That all of the good men and women in blue, Lord, would not get marginalized and stereotyped as a result of all this but they would help, they would speak up and lead the change, we pray for our lawmakers that they would legislate for change we pray for our churches that we would stand united for change that we would pray for our leaders that they would be big enough and loving enough to help us to embrace the change, Father we pray for America that its soul would turn back to you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, And that is his name That we pray. And everybody said amen. Maybe you're watching today. And maybe you have never turned your life over to Jesus Christ. And the heart change that I've talked about. Is something that you haven't experienced yet. You're one prayer away. If you feel the spirit of God pulling at your heart right now. say surrender your life to Jesus. Right where you are just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father. Today I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer right there from your home, I want you to know that you are absolutely saved. Your sins are washed away. You're on your way to heaven. You're part of the change that this world needs right now. I want you to do us a favor. I want you to type Jesus in the chat. And if you're watching on Church Online, there's a little button that says raise your hand. Hit that also. We want to reach out to you, help you in your journey with the Lord. Thanks so much for watching, but don't just stop there. Click the Watch Live button in the description below to join us for Faith Church Online every Sunday morning. And while you're there, you can set a reminder to come back Sundays at 9 and 11. If you'd also like to learn more about getting involved here at Faith Church, you can click the Connect button. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so that you don't miss a single video and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you again for watching. And as always, remember, with Jesus, you are destined to win.